Welcome to the Cashflow Chronicles. I'm your host, Johnny Catani, and the founder of Catani Capital Group. For the last two years, I've been studying alternative assets and now help solve the problem of creating passive cash flow for creators, influencers, and busy professionals by bringing you five episodes a week of easy to understand education in the world of passive investing. What's up, guys? Happy Friday. Welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Chronicles Friday follow up. I am your host, Johnny Catani. We've made it through another week. The weather is finally picking up here in Salt Lake City. Things are looking up, everybody. We've made it out of our seasonal depression. <laughs> Whew, what a long winter it was, but it feels good. We are back. And man, already outside playing a bunch of sand volleyball, starting to get some tan skin again. Everything feels right in the world, despite, <laughs> despite what seems to be things falling apart left and right, which we have a lot to get to in terms of today and things falling apart. Now, a teaser from yesterday. If you listened yesterday, I teased uh, a major debacle from a huge, huge portfolio in Houston that went down. I will talk more about it today. Also, today, we're going to continue our discussion on uh, increasing your or determining your risk tolerance and understanding your risk tolerance and how to judge it and what deals are right for you. And today we're going to talk about why why vetting vetting and understanding who you're investing with is the most important thing that you can do because you will see. Trust me. Just trust me here. So let's go ahead and get into it, right? So if you listen to, day, uh, to yesterday's episode, I talked about how the there was a 3,200 unit portfolio across four different properties, 200 and so it was 3,200 units, four different properties, $230 million in debt, uh, total debt, $230 million in total debt between the four properties, foreclosed on by Arbor Trust Company, which is a publicly traded company which actually works in our favor because they're publicly traded. They have to report all of this. So we're actually able to get more information than in the private sector, which is typically where obviously real estate trades, right? Called the private placement world. It's typically all private and none of it has to be released. And if you're not really in the industry or paying attention, then you could miss it. And, you know, foreclosures are happening every day, you guys. So I, I don't want you to think that, the sky is falling. And by foreclosures, I mean like typically, you know, in the residential space, typically foreclosures every day. That rate is obviously increasing. Uh, you know, talked about yesterday how the consumer price index has come down, but that feds are most likely still going to raise the interest rate again one more time, looking at most likely another 25 basis points, which means it's going to bring the overnight rate to that kind of 5.25 to 5.5 range, which is what they were aiming for from the beginning. And then what I believe will happen is that the Fed will raise the interest rates and then they'll just leave it. And that will most likely be it. We'll see. They meet again in May, but we'll kind of see. And then, you know, as the year goes on and possibly more things break, like, you know, more regional banks and more foreclosures, you may see interest rates start to come down at the beginning of next year. So we shall see. But 
Let's get to Houston. So if you haven't heard, there was a group in Houston called Appleways Investment Group. There are four different apart, uh, four different complexes totaling 3,200 units. These were typically Class C. Remember I talked about Class A, Class B, Class C. So this Class C is typically your... So Class C doesn't always include workforce housing because workforce housing can have some, some different characteristics to it. What I mean by that is sometimes there'll be some sort of like Section 8 or government subsidized portion of it where, you know, a certain amount of units, you know, have to be rented to uh, typically lower income households. Workforce housing is typically going to include kind of your more blue collar demographic, right? Typically, you're going to see rents less than $1,000. Not to say there's not cash flow and there's not value there because it absolutely is. I mean, imagine coming into something, you know, like this and rents are $650 and the market's $800. And all you got to do is come in and make them look a little bit nicer. You know, very easy value add opportunity. And, you know, the, you know, and then you come in and all of a sudden now you can get, you know, 150 more per unit. You know, you're over 100 units. That's 15,000 more per month. You know, that's huge, huge in terms of the bottom line. So what happened is they foreclosed on 3,200 units. The, you know, one of the properties, you know, they, the lender basically recovered 91 cents on the dollar. So got basically, you know, 91% of the $230 million back, which means they're just fine. What that means for investors is there's no money for investors. So talking a little over $60 million in total equity, investor equity. Um, now that's not to say that lawsuits won't come. They will, I'm sure. Uh, you know, investors will absolutely band together for a class action lawsuit. Um, it's pretty much their only course of action. I'm not going to try to pretend like I know what those look like because I, I haven't really researched one and or been in the industry when they were happening. So that will be something I will do some research on. And then um, I'll do an episode on, on that, what that looks like. But the reason that I want to bring all this up, it's not to say that the sky is falling and everything's coming crashing down. I have talked about how, you know, this is an issue because of the debt over the last couple of years. I've talked about the floating rate debt on previous episodes and how, you know, when you have that floating rate debt, you start with a teaser rate. I think they started with a teaser rate of like 3.25%. And they didn't buy rate caps because two years ago, you couldn't have foreseen interest rates growing or being increased the fastest they've ever been increased. So what ended up happening is it went from 3.2% to 8% debt payment. And we now know that they didn't come in and really implement the business plan like they were anticipating or like investors were anticipating. So much so that one of the uh, apartment complexes, you know, the mayor had to meet with the CEO of Appleways and be like, hey, this is not okay. Complaints of vermin. I mean, tenants complaining that, you know, even for $50 a month, you shouldn't be living like this. Just absolute horrendous, you know, water issues, trash issues, dumpsters overflowing so much that the, the parking lot's overfilling with, 
with trash and, you know, you can't park in some places. Like, I mean, this was bad. And so I want to bring this up because I don't want to scare anyone because I don't want people to think that this is how the whole industry is and you shouldn't invest in multifamily because that's absolutely not the case. The reason I'm reporting on this is because it segues perfectly into the next step of understanding your risk tolerance and why vetting is vetting the person and knowing the person you're investing with is so, so important. Because if you vet them, you, you know, you can, what vetting will do, and and I'm not going to go into the whole vetting thing because you guys can go and you can sign up for my five-step series on investwithkatani.com, or you can go to the cashflowchronicles.com, either one, they go to the same place. Here, it's probably easier because it's the name of the podcast, thecashflowchronicles.com. Join the list. I'm very, very close to launching this video series, and we'll go more in-depth in vetting. But what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about how important why it's so important to know who you're investing with. And the reason is, is for this exact reason, because if you don't know who you're investing with and you don't know their track record, you don't, you know, know them, what they've done in the past, how they operate, who they are as a person, do you get a good vibe from them? You know, or, you know, do you get, you know, do you get a good like sense of, you know, like, are, are they a good person? Are they really doing this to help people? Are they really doing it to improve these tenants living uh, space? Are they really doing it, you know, for the right reasons? Or are they just doing it to make a whole bunch of money? Because the way that syndications work is there is always an acquisition fee. There will always be an acquisition fee, meaning that when the lead sponsor, the operating group closes, they will take 2% of the total equity. Well, they will take 2% of the total acquisition cost, right? So in this case, you know, $230 million in debt, you know, you're thinking 80% LTV. So, you know, there's a 20 so they'll basically, well, in this case, they'll take a 2% of, of, 200 of 230 million. So you're talking, you know, basically $2 million, right? Give or take. Let's see. Let's see. 1% of a, we're going to quick math this here. My brain is, is moving very slow. You guys, I, despite this amazing weather and my activity, I unfortunately did not sleep great last night. So a little anecdote. But that's okay. Sometimes I can do this stuff in my head because all you're doing is moving zeros and other times I literally cannot. So this is one of those times I cannot. Oh, I was, uh, wait, let's see. Yeah, because 1%, right. So sorry, you needed to double that. So uh, it, it's four four 4.6 million, right? This is why I pull out a calculator. Yeah, so $4.6 million, like, you know, that's not a small chunk of change right to bring in. Of course you got to pay people and there's employees potentially right and 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 whatnot, but that's a that's a large chunk to bring in. And then so 
you know, and, and that's always going to be there. You guys, that fee will always be there. Always be a 2% acquisition fee at acquisition. That's for the groups to pay themselves for everything they've done. You know, you're talking lawyer fees, you're talking, you know, travel fees to go and travel to look at these, uh, these different assets. You're talking your inspection fees and all the fees that come with due diligence, all of that, right. Is an expense that they take on in order to, you know, do this acquisition. And then they'll, you know, obviously pay themselves and, and they got to keep the lights on too. They're people, they got to put food on the table, right? This is how they make their money. And that's totally okay. You know, I don't want to scare you away from acquisition fees because you're going to see them. The reason I want to bring it up is because it's important to know whether or not, you know, this is something they've done before. Have they gone full cycle? Right. This is why it's so important. Have you gone full cycle on a deal? Is this, have you done this deal before? Right. Do you usually do class A and now all of a sudden you're doing class C workforce housing, right? And it's way out of your realm and you've never actually done this heavy of a lift before, meaning this heavy of a renovation, right? If you're used to buying class B and class A properties, you don't do heavy lifts. You don't come in and tear a unit down to the studs and completely rebuild it. That's that's not what you do in class A and, and almost never in class B, right? So it's very important to understand who you're investing with and get an idea for them. And one thing that I love about the private world is that when it comes to the stock market and you go invest in a mutual fund, you're not going to call that fund manager up on the phone and go to lunch with him and get an idea of who he is as a person, right? None of that's going to happen. You know, you're probably not even going to be able to get a hold of him at all. Whereas in the private placement world, when you're an investor, you're getting on a phone call with an employee, right? An investor's relation employee of that company. And sometimes in these smaller groups, which is why I like smaller groups a lot of times, that person could be their CEO. Like when you join my group, you schedule a call, you're calling with me. That call is scheduled with me. So you're talking to me, the principal founder of the company. And that's not uncommon, even in these groups who have done these a lot. A lot of these groups like to run lean and mean. And especially when they get in the rhythm and they they stick to their bread and butter, they don't really need a big, huge team because you know they're just doing the same thing over and over and they've got it to where it's a very efficient process. But what's nice is that you can get them on the phone. That's not uncommon to get them on the phone. And oh, by the way, if you're in the same market or, you know, even if you wanted to, you can go visit them. They'll bring you into the office, take you to lunch, show you their team, meet the whole team, get a feel for them. And that's what the point I'm trying to make here is that I'll bet you that had, you know, you gone to lunch with the CEO of the Appleways Investment Group, that you would have you know, depending on your ability to, you know, know, you know, get a feel for people, you probably, there might've been something off about this guy. And uh, let's see, his name was Jay Gajavelli. There might've been, you know, you might've been able to pick up on something, not to say that's always the case, but at least it's very, very important to know, like, and trust the person you're investing with. 
And then once you do, and once you invest with a deal and you're comfortable with them and you like the way they handle things after the deal, meaning the communication is good and they keep you up to date with things that are going on, then it's okay not to do this every time. And that when a new deal comes up, you just wire them the money and sign the documents because you've already done this process, which is why a lot of people, they'll go through this rigorous process. And then they really want to invest outside of those groups because they know, like, and trust them. So I wanted to have this conversation because it goes right along line with and is right really the next step is to know, like, and trust the person you're investing with. And, you know, again, I'm not going to go into too much detail because you can get that detail from the video series, but it's important to know. And it's also important to know what's happening in the market because this is a conversation starter. You get on the phone with someone and you're like, hey, you know, how do I know you're not going to, you're going to be able to handle this. And what have you done before? Show me your track record. Let me talk to, you know, four investors that have invested in, in deals with you, or, or at least, you know, I would say at least three investors that have invested in multiple deals with you. Talk to those investors, get on a call with those. Now, keep in mind, they're going to send, you know, investors who like them, but still it's important to ask the right questions, right? You know, Hey, Mr. Investor, why did you invest with this guy? How much do you know about this person? You know, have you gone to lunch with them? Have you met the whole team? You know, when, you know, how communicative are they? How often are you receiving updates? If you have a question, how easy is it to get a hold of them? How quickly is your question getting answered? All very, very, very important questions in the vetting process and all part of the know, like, and trust. And you know, if all of those questions are answered and it looks good, then it's time to move forward the investment. There's nothing holding you back. You've gotten all your questions answered. You feel comfortable. It's now time to invest. So that's kind of the process there. This, you know, it's really, really sad to hear about these investors losing their money. You never, ever want to lose investor money. Worst case scenario, you want to at least return their principal so they broke even. Most people... Anybody that I've talked to, anybody that I do business with hasn't lost investor money. They always try to return it. I'm working on vetting a sponsor right now for a potential deal coming up. That will be part of my process, which I will share with you guys as that process moves forward. I will give you insight into how it goes. I've already met them in person. I've talked to them multiple times and I'm still going to vet them. There's still a vetting process. So, you know, I'm not going to you know, just because I know them and I get a good idea of them and they have a great track record, all great things, but I still want to talk to investors. I still want to know, here's a good one. When has a deal gone poorly and what did you do uh, to correct it with your investors? Great question right there, right? Because if you've been doing this long enough, there's a deal that didn't go the way you wanted. Not to say that deals always go bad and end up like this in foreclosure, but, you know, you do this long enough, something's going to go wrong. And I want to know how you responded to that and how you handled it. And I want to talk to an investor on that deal if I can, right? All part of the process, all important to understand. And there you have it. That's it. That's today's episode. That is really the, the big key step in, in finally pulling that trigger. Because when you're parting ways with twenty five, fifty, hundred thousand dollars $100,000, you want to feel comfortable doing that. The way to feel comfortable doing that is to know, like, and trust the person. So thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it. 
As always, you can follow me on social media at Johnny Katani. Johnny with no H. Go to invet no. Go to thecashflowchronicles.com. Same name as the podcast, thecashflowchronicles.com. My video series is almost out. To go into even more detail on all of the steps that I've outlined over the last couple of weeks in the series, as well as even more detail on the vetting process, you'll see my almost 100-point checklist that I go through to vet a sponsor. It includes a lot of the stuff that I talked about today, talking to investors, track record, you know, site visits, uh, face-to-face visits, you know, learning about the team, all of those different things, all very, very important. So thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you guys have a great weekend and I will talk to you next week. See ya. Thank you again for tuning in. Who do you know that wants more cash flow? Share this episode with them so you can grow your cash flow together. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you're subscribed on your platform of choice so you never miss a new episode. Go to katanicapitalgroup.com to learn more.